It started out like any other semester, teaching intro to women's studies at the university, Wednesday nights from six to nine, working my day job as a secretary so that kids can go to college tuition-free, being mom, wife, and occasional magician as I juggled two jobs, a husband, three kids, and a dog. I loved teaching, only I came home the third week and told Rick, somebody in my class is glowing. Seriously, I'm serious. It's toward the back of the room on the left. When I look over there, nothing. But then when I look away, I can see it out of the corner of my eye. A distinct, like, candle glow right over there. It's driving me nuts. I can't keep my concentration. Rick is just looking at me like, are you shitting me? Okay, I tried to explain. They do reflection journals about who they are and how they feel about the readings. In that row, I've got three kids, a guy whose mother committed suicide this summer, an openly gay girl who was sexually abused between the ages of five and 11, and a girl who was date-raped last New Year's Eve, got pregnant, and traveled across state lines all by herself in a snowstorm to get an abortion and never told anybody because she would lose her full-ride scholarship in gymnastics. I'm telling you, somebody over there is glowing. Cat. Several weeks later, she came up after class to talk to me. Darling girl, older, non-traditional student, maybe 30. Out, proud lesbian, very short hair, spiked, big blue eyes, bright, intelligent, sincere, gay, unapologetic. I knew from her journals that she had been a victim of incest between the ages of five and 11. Ah, uh, me, I wanted to comfort her. Poor sweet baby. Her journals were wonderful, full of spiritual insight, mature, grounded. She talked to me after class again a few weeks later. Charming, full of fun, all dancing, sparkling eyes, making me laugh and laugh. I loved her in that way that you love a delightful student. She challenged me in class, too, insisting that one could offset, if not negate, the effects of a homophobic culture by fully accepting and loving oneself. It's okay, she'd say, letting me off the hook. It's hard for straight people to get it. In one journal, she invited Rick and me to come to the old West End Christmas Masquerade Ball. Come and see us queers in our natural habitat, she teased. It'll help you in your teaching. Never a big fan of parties, especially ones where I didn't know anyone. I was more than a little apprehensive. But Rick, whose youngest brother is gay, assured me that it would be fun. Hey, I'm telling you, those people really know how to throw a party. It'll be great. We should go. I had no idea what to wear. So when I accepted, I asked about the expectations. So are we talking blue jeans or will there be sequined ball gowns or... What are we looking at here? She laughed. Yes, sequined ball gowns, probably, but only on the guys. Just wear what you'd wear to a straight people's Christmas party. She teased. So I bought a new outfit, all velvet and glitter jacket and black satin pants. We stopped at Brian's house first, so you can see where I live, she explained. We had a glass of wine, met her roommate and some of her friends. She looked beautiful in a tailored black suit, 
but she seemed as nervous as I was, which surprised me. I mean, this was her home turf, and she knew everybody. I didn't get it. On the ride over, Rick and I decided to have Kat ride with us, since she knew how to get to the party. She was talking a mile a minute, and oddly began slurring her words. Jeez, how much has she had to drink? I thought. The party was in a huge old mansion, worn but splendid, like the reminiscent beauty in the face of an old dowager. It was filled with people, stunning men, dressed to the nines, and as I looked more closely, much fewer by far a very odd assortment of women. Several old, used-up, hard-looking women looked me up and down, like a piece of fresh meat when I walked in the door. I decided to stick with Kat for the time being.